0: I uh, identify as non-binary, you know, I, I do not think of myself as a man, you know, a lot. But I really am comfortable with thinking of myself as a bear, you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know, I'm comfortable, I'm comfortable, uh, you know, when, a, when, a, uh, when I was at Pride in 2013, you know, and this guy was like, oh, you're a muscle bear. That really made me comfortable. I was very like, that made me feel better in my skin.
1: Welcome to Queer Sacramento, a podcast about the lives of LGBTQ plus people, businesses, and events in and around the capital city of California, Sacramento. I'm your host, Michael Q. I am a certified and licensed massage therapist, professional stage actor, and owner of Q's Massage Studio, Body Positive Massage Therapy, right here in the Lavender Heights District of Midtown. All right, on today's podcast, I'm here with Derek Dosha. So, uh, first of all, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, first of all, I ask people their official pronouns. What are your official pronouns?
0: I like they, them, but I'm still comfortable with he if it slips out. Right.
1: (laughs) Okay. All right. Sounds good. And Derek Dosha is a producer slash comedian slash musician. And I'm so glad to have you on the podcast because I've actually been wanting to have someone who is a comedian. And so um, I'm so glad to get to finally have you on the show.
0: Thank you. Thanks.
1: So, so a little bit about you personally. So are you originally from Sacramento or are you from someplace else?
0: Uh, Sacramento. I was born here. Uh, but my mom's from Indiana and I've got cousins and stuff out in Columbus, Ohio. Oh, really? Interesting. <laughs> well, I... Yeah, there's some peck and paw uh, uh, Mormons. Thing. most of my family out there are Mormon, but, you know, uh, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, my gosh.
1: That's so funny. I don't know. I've lived in Columbus my entire life, and I don't know if I know any Mormons
0: that live in Columbus until now. So, yeah, it's uh, – I'm, you know, being from California, I may be uh, – adding some of the rural areas to columbus in my mind so maybe it's not in columbus's formal oh
1: okay now it is the
0: midwest so there are surrounding columbus is a big
1: metropolis so there but i'm sure there probably are smaller areas nearby for sure where there's definitely um yeah like not only mormons but there's you know amish and mennonite and so that definitely makes sense I wanted to get into a little bit about this producing. So when you say you're a producer, what for people who have no
0: idea what that means, can you describe it for us? So um, producers are the people that uh, push to get a project finished. You know, sometimes the star of a TV show, uh, so if you're watching, uh, you know, uh, Insecure with Issa Rae, Issa Rae is the star of that show, but uh, with Insecure, Issa Rae also wrote the show. So the words that are being spoken by all the people on the screen, she wrote those words. Um, but also as the producer, that means she uh, did a lot of the hiring of like hiring the director, which she also chose herself there. So that was a little easier. So, but you know <laughs> the uh, the camera people, uh, the The assistants to work, you know, the people that do all of the other work on a uh, TV show or a movie that you don't see are different types of, you know, are in production. And then the producer is usually the top, uh, you know, boss of hiring all those people. You know, the top person in charge or the person who's, you know, responsible for um, the hiring and then in the same way responsible for the money on the project. Um, I produce theater. uh, I produce a little bit of indie film, but I've been producing a lot of theater and um, comedy, like stand-up comedy, improv comedy shows. And those are a little different because it's not a huge budget Mm -hmm. that someone is giving uh, me at any point. It's more so... As a producer, I find a venue, uh, I get the show time, and then I book the show. So for like a stand-up show, it's like it's just finding a venue, booking the show, the comments on the show. And then uh, as being the one who found the venue and made the agreement, uh, I will get paid for the show, and then I'll pay people for doing the show.
1: Ah, uh, uh, okay. Know, so so, and, and I'm really curious about, I mean, producing is something that I'm always really fascinated in. So uh, really my first introduction to the idea of producing was, of course, the musical uh, The Producers. Um, <clears throat> and mm, so, uh, mm. you know, which is a campy, you know, Mel Brooks. Um, I piece. want to be uh, a producer. <laughs> right? <laughs> <And> so <laughs> uh, I actually was going to ask you, what, what is it about producing that made you want to do it?
0: I honestly watched that movie like I didn't I didn't uh, I wasn't great as a teenager uh, uh, listening to a musical and being able to picture it in my head. You know, like the first time, <laughs> right. the first time I listened to Rent, I was not a fan. I was like, this sucks. I don't like this. You know, like I, I just didn't get it. You know? <laughs> right. And then and then I'd go on to watch the movie. And it's funny. I think Rent and producers came out the same year. I think they're both like 2006. Uh, uh, you know, around my senior year of high school, and then once I saw both of them, I loved it. But I remember uh, uh, sitting, uh, uh, being fighting with my parents, uh, and I'd been kicked out of my parents' house, <laughs> and my ex girlfriend had let me stay with her, and uh, uh, I had hurt my knee, and so I've been like just lazing around her place, and I got ice on my knee, and we're sitting on the couch, and we put on the producers, and I just fucking loved it, but that. Uh, that moment where they 're talking about explaining what a producer is in that movie, I realized that is my dream job that, <laughs> that is what I want to do <laughs> ne-
1: never put your uh, own I money in the, in the show
0: agree with you that that was also my first exposure, and I fell in love with it, but I honestly didn 't really pursue it again for another maybe you know ten uh, years until I was maybe closer to twenty eight uh, i um, had pursued acting and pursued uh uh you know being an actor and a singer really since i was from four years old you know my whole life and then i uh got cast in a uh rock opera a musical called something inside is broken that uh, kind of inspired by hamilton but uh told the story of the Nishanon native american tribe uh, from Northern California, the area that's now called Auburn, you know, used to belong to this uh, other this this tribe, and one of uh, uh, and this uh, Native American director um, in this area, Jack Kohler, wrote this show and included uh, language of the Nisenan people that's only spoke by like sixteen living people. So it's used a lot of this language that doesn't really exist anymore. So it's this kind of cool show, but it was also very sad. There was a lot of rape discussed in the show. Right. We had these kids, not like teenagers, we had kids, like a uh, uh, six year old, nine year old, 12 year old, that died on stage multiple times. Like oh. the same kids were brought on stage to die multiple times during the show. So it was very dark. Oh and my sad. gosh. I am completely, the content of what I'm saying is completely at the whim of somebody else. I was at a kind of awkward point of having to say other people's words. And I just decided that if I was going to keep acting, I really wanted to, to start doing some stand-up, start doing some comedy where I could at least tell my own thoughts while pursuing saying other people's words.
1: Yeah, I completely understand that. It's so funny when you mentioned the kids dying over and over. I was thinking, it reminds me of Kenny at South Park.
0: Wow, I mean the 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 funny thing was is we didn't even like really costume them differently, you know, in the same costumes they'd kind of, they'd re on stage, you know. Wow, <laughs> and it's amazing,
1: and this and this whole story is amazing because I actually live in Auburn, so I actually am really intrigued about like listening to and watching this show that you're telling me about because that sounds it, fascinating.
0: The all of the music is available on Spotify, so something inside is broken. It's on Spotify, and then. uh there is a video. Uh, there's a there's a, a movie version available on iTunes, so it's completely available and it's
1: accessible. Now it's perfect. Now you mentioned uh, you produce um, musicals. You also said that you produce uh, comedians and like, uh, like live um, kind of comedy acts as well. And so where do you? I would say where do you where do you go to produce? Where where are you doing this at?
0: So, um, currently, I, I'm working with a theater in Sacramento. Uh, it's on Broadway, uh, downtown Sacramento. Uh, it's a theater called Stab Comedy Theater. And Stab is a podcast. And uh, the, the producers, you know, the, the two dudes from that podcast uh, started a comedy theater. <clears throat> and so that's what I named the comedy theater was Stab. And uh, I produce a show called The boast, an all compliment show. Uh, there, but that's back. That's back uh, before the pandy, Before the pandemic, right. I produced the show. But what I'm still doing with them, what I'm actually doing later today, with Stab Comedy Theater, I'm producing a body positive uh, comedy show called the uh, Body Posi Comedy Show. And uh, the host Dan Smith uh, is in a wheelchair. Uh, and it is a uh, disabled-positive, trans-positive, fat-positive show. Uh, I just was kind of looking around at my, my friends, looking at the comedy shows that exist. You know, a lot of the comedy shows that have themes, uh, uh, I hadn't seen a themed comedy show with the simple theme that Instagram loves, a body positivity. And so I thought that that was a fun niche to fill And so I produced that show over uh, Twitch and we put it on Facebook uh, live. And I think we, is it? Oh, yeah. And then it's also on YouTube, on Stab's uh, channel on YouTube. Um, So that is where that show will exist. That's where, you know, we produce the shows now. But before the pandemic, uh, I produced the shows at their actual location and a few other locations in Sacramento.
1: Ah, so we say, so now during the pandemic, during Masrona, you're saying you're producing it virtually. So it is, Correct. oh, okay, I see. Now, I, I that is fascinating. I love the body positive component because clearly now one, I didn't know any of this about you, but that is exactly what my massage therapy t- studio is. I'm a body mm. positive massage therapy studio. That is my tagline. I work with beer, uh, big bodies, queer bodies, and POC. Like that's what I do. So mm. I find it really fascinating that you have this body positive component of your of these comedy shows. That is awesome.
0: I mean, I'm i you know just to again uh, re- you know share. I uh, accepted myself more. So I mean, I uh, identify as non-binary. You know, I I do not think of myself as a man you know a lot but I really am comfortable with thinking of myself as a bear you know, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> you know I'm comfortable I'm comfortable uh you know when uh when a uh when I was at pride in 2013 you know and this guy was like oh you're a muscle bear that really made me comfortable. I was oh. very, like, that made me feel better in my skin. And, you know, like, uh, uh, so it's, it is a funny, it, it's a funny journey of how every step of um, self-acceptance, every step of kind of coming out kind of holds hands with the other ideas that pull you to uh, uh, happiness.
1: I love that. I I love the fact, I mean, I love the fact that you have this, this show, you know, with this particular show about body positivity. And, and when people think of that phrase, usually they're referring to weight, you know, usually it's a weight. Right, right. And, but I love that your show incorporates other um, kind of non-able-bodied people. And just, there's lots of different ways that you're incorporating that phrase. Because, I completely agree. I feel like uh, body positivity means it's really in all facets. It's whether you're, you have a larger body or a smaller frame or what, there's a lots of different ways to, to really frame that, uh, that phrase. So I love the other show. Like how's it, how's the uh, reception been so far? Like have very many people watching it or how do you, uh, how's it been so far?
0: This is our, this will be our second show. And uh, this week, We've only had maybe five days uh, to really tell people beforehand. We really didn't have much time to produce. We were just uh, uh, trying to fill content in where we can, you know. So uh, (laughs) the producers of of Stab Comedy Theater, you know, contacted me and said, "Hey, could you do a show this weekend?" So I just we kind of Dan and I, the host, rushed to get a lineup together, and with a stand-up show, that's usually pretty reasonable to, you know, it's not too hard to get a lineup together within a few days, but we also haven't had a ton of time to promote. So we're getting, uh, I think last time we had uh, 30 or so people, but the fun thing that uh, we've been doing that kind of my little production bubble has been trying to do, we've been trying to include people in the uh, video chat room. So in the zoom room and watch it there with us and then turn their screens off, and then their, let their laughs and their claps and let their noise still be shared with the comedian, so you're still kind of in a digital theater together. You know? I so, love that. So we make that room as big as we can, and then we kind of close it off around showtime so no more people are, are joining, you know? Uh, uh, but that is kind of the space that we try to make for the show. So we've had about 30 or so, you know, uh, people watching or live in the, our theater rooms. And then we, well, I don't know if we've had that many people watching
1: live <laughs> on any of <laughs> right. Now, I Now, I was actually going to say that's a brilliant way to get the stand-up. Um, comic to really feel like you're still in the room with everyone, and that was going to be my next question about how does someone who really just like with a uh, live theater, how does a stand up comic get the energy from the room and having a zoom call, I love that where you uh where they're not on the screen, but you can just hear their voices and them laughing and clapping, you still get some of that same experience it's almost like. You're in, you know, a, uh, yeah, you almost are really creating that live experience. It's really, it's a real laugh track. I mean, I love that.
0: Thank you. I would love to take credit for this idea, but this was not mine. (laughs) Uh, My friend, Buddy, he's another comedian here in Sacramento. He's also a queer comedian, so you should probably get him on here too. Uh, But yeah, Buddy came up with this idea for uh, the open mic in the apocalypse or comedy in the apocalypse is what he calls that show. And that, uh, usually is, uh, on Thursdays on the stab channel. Okay. I think that, cause there's a lot of other comedians that have been doing the zoom calls, but they leave the video up. And I think the video is distracting. <laughs> I think it, uh, I think it, it kind of pulls away. Or I think if you make everyone other than the person who is, uh, the, featured performer in that moment, turn off their camera, I think it is like intentionally averting gaze, you know, and as a producer, I also kind of think of it as like, like, it's like lighting. If I were to, I like to, if, if a comedian doesn't move around a lot at the mic, I like to turn the lights off on the rest of the stage and just give them that mic. You know, in that same way, it's it's don't look over there. That person doesn't have any fucking part of this right now. Right. Just look at this.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're stealing focus. I I completely understand that. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to get into and you a little bit into the uh, comedy as well with you specifically. So because um, you said you're also, so you also do stand up comedy as well. I do. Yeah. So what got you into comedy? Were you kind of the, the, you know, the, the funny person in, um, kind of uh, you know, elementary school and high school. And were you the class clown?
0: I often had very, uh, good friendships with my teachers. You know, my teachers usually liked me, but I was failing all my classes. Uh, you know, so my parents would be like, I don't get it. Your teachers like you, but your grades are so bad, you know. <laughs> um, um, so I, you know, I, I, yeah, I was definitely wanted to be the class clown. You know, I, I may not have always been the funniest kid in class, but I wanted to be, you know, and if there was that funnier kid, I was usually sitting right beside, uh, you know, her, you know, him, you know, whoever it was, trying to, absorb some of their funny uh uh you know I was drawn to the other funny people but as soon as I saw you know stand up as a kid like like my parents uh wanted me to be a performer like they kind of pushed me onto stage but my dad admired stand up a lot you know he would watch stand up very seriously uh he we didn't really go to church ever like he took us to church uh maybe on Easter just for the sake of showing us what a church was, I think. (laughs) But, you know, we didn't go to church as a family, but the way that he watched stand-up was as serious and with that reverence... You know that people give preachers, and a lot of people. You know, I've grown up to watch a lot of people give standups that love and attention. But that my dad just took it really seriously and would laugh hard, but would be like, "Hey, watch this," or you know, oh, "You know, shut up, this oh, I, I want to hear this." You know, <laughs> took it seriously, and so the, um, so I always admired like standup. I admired the way of making a point in a funny way. And a smart way. And, and to me, it just kind of congealed the idea that if you can't say it uh, in a clear, funny way, maybe you're wrong. You know, mm-hmm. Maybe you really don't know what you're talking about. And I just kind of always grew up thinking that. Way.
1: Do you have any particular comics that you are, like, uh, your idols are really fond of?
0: One of my absolute favorites is Tig Notara. Uh uh I you know, I really, really love Tig. Um uh I really like Hannibal Burris. Uh Hannibal Burris has been, you know, uh doing a thing on his podcast uh that I've been trying to steal and make into like an improv show. Like Hannibal will just uh he has a DJ that's his co host and they'll start um the, the DJ will start making beats. And making songs and stuff, and Hannibal and the other guests will try and, and freestyle songs just on the spot and freestyle and rap and just try and make songs up on the top of their heads, you know, just during the podcast. And I think it's so fucking fun. Oh, that's and awesome. I love that energy and that kind of hey, I like you. Let's play together, is what makes me want to keep being a performer. You know, I I love that you and I can just have fun together and if we do a good job <laughs> and just by being honest and having fun that is fun for somebody else
1: yeah you know yeah.
0: and I feel like that kind of musical play of freestyling songs really shows people uh you can do this this is not that hard <laughs> and I think hip-hop uh especially as a thing you know making up music uh is a hard thing to do, but also kind of shows like lyricism is is sometimes just off the top of your head. A lot of the times these people people are just rapping about shit like that's not that deep. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and and so and I think freestyling and playing in that way kind of demonstrates what's hard about rap and that's what and what's fun about it. And so like uh uh so yeah so that's a, he's a big inspiration of mine. Um I love Todd Glass. Todd Glass is another uh, comedian I love. I love
1: that. I love that I love that you have these uh, these people that you look up to and I love that you're bouncing ideas off of them and I, I that is I mean I those are things that I think like you're mentioning kind of the interplay. I know for me when I watch, you know, a TV show like, you know, Whose Line Isn't Anyway or you know, it's really that play between the 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 people on stage that really helps me to really enjoy what I'm watching. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So now I want to switch gears and actually talk about your atheism. So you told me that you're an atheist. And mm-hmm. I love that. So can you talk to us about, um, was, this, was there any kind
0: of a specific journey with this? Have you always been an atheist? Like why? Um, I, you know, it, it became important to me to identify as an atheist because for the You know, uh, for most of my thinking life, you know, I became a Christian when I was uh, 13. And so from 13 to uh, 27, it was really important for me to identify as a Christian, you know. And so once I I stopped, once I no longer felt like I need people to know I'm a Christian, I was like, you know, I still want people to know (laughs) what I believe. And that is uh, that I don't believe in fairies and that I think it's important to say I don't believe in fairies. And I think it's important to tell other people I don't believe in vampires and angels. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, but it became important for me to say because I worked, uh, when I had a day job, you know, uh, uh, when, I was, when I was having, when I had real jobs, I worked with the disabled uh, community and I worked with the mentally uh, uh, disabled And I worked with people that um, I had to be their ground for reality. I had to be their rock. I had to be able to confirm what reality was to them. And uh, I also had friends from childhood um, develop schizophrenia. And so some of my best friends, the people that I looked up to the most, the people that I Looked to to tell me what the fuck reality was. Mm-hmm. They were they were losing touch with reality, and uh, I had some uh, religious friends develop schizophrenia, and their their understanding of religion, the way that adults would talk about this book as if it was real, and the things out of the Bible as if these things were real, were damaging to my mental state and the mental state of my friends, the mental state of people that I loved. I saw that by not saying uh, this is my, these, this is a story that I like, and these are stories that I derive uh, beliefs from. No, when we, when we say this is real, there are demons out there. It was hurting <laughs> my mental health and hurting the mental health of people I loved. And I thought that, that, uh, you know, so in that way and in the way that um, in other countries, people are still murdered for saying they're atheists, mm-hmm. uh, you know, so, so similar to the way that I thought it was important to come out as a, you know, as a queer person, as to come out as a bisexual, I think it's important to say the word atheism and to make it a less scary word and to normalize that word and that idea because our brothers and sisters are being killed in other countries uh, for that, you know, like, so, mm-hmm. you know, that made it important. You know?
1: <laughs> yeah. And so I was going to back up a little bit and ask um, if you could, for anyone who is curious about what the word atheist means, in your, in your words, what
0: is an atheist? I try to, let's go. if anyone is uh, bristling at atheism and still listening, they probably tuned off already. But let me say first, so, uh, hi, I love you. And I would say, you know, believers out there, I'd say, I like to say now, I am a uh, naturalist, that I believe in everything in nature, and I don't need anything more. That's one version of atheism. That's a very, that's a happy version of atheism, is that I am happy with nature. And everything in the natural world fills me with wonder and awe, and I don't need to add things that are are outside of nature to give me more awe. I just like all the nature, Mm -hmm. but you know, so that's, that's one way of saying it. The, uh, but to give that textbook definition, uh, I do not believe in any singular God. So theism refers to a single God, Uh, any ideas that are grounded in the idea that there's one God I think those are wrong and those are false and those are harmful. You know, uh, even Hindu is like kind of uh, a lot of people describe that as being monotheistic because they're referring to Vishnu as a singular, you know, that that's like one God. So that Christianity. But that also means I'm much more comfortable with Thor. I'm mm-hmm. much more comfortable with, uh, um, you know, when we if, you, if you're if you looking at at, at the multi gods, you know, or the goddess of Wiccan, I'm much more comfortable with those things because they uh usually don't invoke the demand of this is true reality. Mm-hmm. You know, so like atheism. So anti-theism. Okay. Yeah, and I or I've, or the world is enough.
1: Well, and I love the idea of there really being kind of these different aspects of atheism because I think you're right. I think when when people think of atheism overall, they uh, most people, um, if they are kind of a Christian or know the Bible, that uh, a lot of people who grow up Christianity Christianity may see atheism as this kind of doom and gloom, and uh, they. they they think that uh, it, there is no, they think of it as anarchy, you know? It's like, well, well, if, if everyone's an atheist, then that means that uh, everyone will start killing each other and everyone, you know, they'll go to these really, like, wild extremes. And so I like that you've been able to really parse through these different aspects. And so I, I like, you know, like the nature component, the naturist, that's a component of atheism that is not very well known. And I think a, lot of, a um, lot of people can identify with that. Loving nature and loving it being that is what life is. And that's fine.
0: Another, another layer there, you know, like you're referring to, you know, if we're atheists, then there's chaos. Another thing that uh, brought me to atheism <laughs> is the idea that uh, nothing is more sacred than family. In Christianity, you are really pushed to accept uh, uh, that God, if God wants you to sacrifice your child, do it. Uh, and then, even you know, even a lot of Christians don't accept that Old Testament shit. But a lot of Christians, you know, Christ uh, uh, taught, leave your families and join me. You know, even a lot of the, the 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 New Testament stuff that that is more Christian is still leaning into the idea that God is more sacred than family. And I like telling people as an atheist, nothing is more sacred than family. Nothing is above your love of the people you choose in your life. And I think that is a preciousness that I don't want to sacrifice, that I don't want to give away for any reason.
1: Yeah, that makes sense to me. And so wrapping
0: up, I love this. So
1: um, I will... Left for you to be able to, first of all, with um, the the stab theater and on all of the producing and the comedy that you're producing, can you let us know about like where can people find you?
0: Uh, You can find me on Instagram. Uh, I'm at d x d o z i e r uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, That's my handle. Um, I produce shows at Stab Comedy Theater. Um, and that's on Twitch and Facebook. And um, you can also find me, uh, I was a board member <clears throat> uh, producing new shows at Sacramento Comedy Spot. So once they are back open and running, maybe producing more shows around there, um, that's that's me. That's where I'm, you know, here in Sacramento. And if people
1: are wanting to um, watch these uh, Zoom um, kind of live comedy shows. Where where specifically
0: can they find that information? If you would like to be in our live studio audiences, um, then you have to find me somewhere and shoot me a direct message uh, or shoot me a tweet, uh, message on Instagram, and we would love to include you in our audiences. Okay, that is perfect. And then also
1: with... Um, atheism is there uh if anyone's interested more about it are there any like resources that you know about or do you um that you can point Mm -hmm. them to full question
0: with atheism and resources um i uh i would recommend very highly life after god it's a name of a book and a podcast by ryan bell uh ryan bell was a uh pastor who decided to do just as an experiment do a year without god and turned out he liked it (laughs) it stuck with no god and it was a great resource for me and i think it's a very loving place to to start uh thinking about those ideas
1: that is perfect that's a, a great way to end and this is i mean i'm so
0: glad to have you on you're a wealth of information i feel
1: like i could talk to you for hours i mean me also being a a professional stage actor there's things there's so many things in the business that we could even talk about so i'd love to i'd love to let's do it again perfect thank you so much thank you